Today on Podcast by the Bay, we open up our platform to speak with many of the candidates for Foster City Council. So if you just listen to the citizens and you get their feedback, you probably can get some pretty good committees, subcommittees with the you know, city council that will help us with some of these major problems. I mean, we have some really smart people living here, and we should make uh, better use of their talent and their expertise and their advice. And so we feature a showcase for those candidates that wanted to speak with us and for you to hear their vision. Um, I'm here for, for everybody, uh, not just the people that are uh, making noise. I'm here for, uh, to beautify this city even more than it is, uh, to advance it, and to, uh, like I said, bring ideas that I don't think uh, maybe maybe have been crossed, but maybe not, and um, uh, bring the Bay Area's technology and everything else to the city that I think it could use. All coming up on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. And now, another Podcast by the Bay. Hello, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. My name is Chelsea Bonini, and I'm filling in for Andre and Patrick on this episode. You might have heard me on previous episodes discussing gun violence and also some of my experiences in the San Mateo Foster City School District as a school board trustee. Currently, I'm serving as a personnel commissioner for the San Mateo County Office of Education, and I have recently co-founded a nonprofit called snkids.org with two other parents. We are working to improve policies and systems at the local, county, and state levels to ensure better outcomes for all special needs kids. You can find out more about snkids.org on our Facebook page or on our website. Today, we are going to showcase the Podcast by the Bay Foster City Council Candidate Forum, where we get to speak with and listen to the candidates' visions for Foster City. Podcast by the Bay does not endorse or recommend any candidate, and all the candidates were asked the same questions. We choose to share our platform with the candidates so they can present their views and vision, and so our audience can get to know them and their thoughts on many of the important issues facing Foster City. We are excited to showcase four candidates on today's episode, and they are Sanjay Gahani, Deborah Martinez, Patrick Sullivan, and Mark Farron. The two other candidates running for city council did not respond to requests for interview. Okay, so we are excited to present the candidates that did respond. And up first, we have our interview with Sanjay Gahani. Stay tuned. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. And we're excited today. 
we actually have one of the candidates for Foster City Council, and that's Sanjay Gahani. And so, Sanjay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. We appreciate you being here. Thank you, Andre. I'm really excited to be here with you. So, so Sanjay, can you give us a little background on who you are as a candidate and why you've decided to run for Foster City Council? Sure, Andre. I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a brother, a son, a friend, and a businessman. I was raised in Foster City and feel a sense of responsibility to protect and preserve Foster City for future generations. My parents instilled family and community values early on in my life. As an all-league athlete in multiple sports throughout high school and an athlete in college, I learned the importance of leadership and teamwork. I earned a degree at UC Davis in electrical engineering and an MBA from Santa Clara University. I built a foundation in business, advancing through a series of promotions at Xilinx over a 15-year career. Today, as a managing partner at Building Kids Worldwide, which is actually headquartered in Foster City, I'm doing my part to enhance early childhood education and create jobs for hardworking teachers while donating 25% of our profits to helping underprivileged children around the world. In the community, I serve as a board member and coach for Little League and a coach for AYSO. So that's a thumbnail sketch of who I am. Now here is why I want to serve our community as a city council member. I sense that citizens want a change. I certainly do. I'm concerned about our city. I'm concerned about the changes in our quality of life here. I believe my ethics and experiences make me the best candidate to overcome our challenges with housing, traffic, and education, while reconnecting our community and small businesses. I want to give back to the city that has been so good to me. Well, sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, Sanjay. Um, so this is a crowded field, right? You know, you have two open seats for Foster City Council, but yet you have six different candidates. So what makes you the best choice as a candidate, and why should the voters vote for you? Well, Andre, earlier I mentioned the need for change. And that will not happen unless we shift the majority opinion of the city council to one that is more in tune with our residents' needs and wants. This is key. Some of our council members want to maintain the status quo to continue along the path we've been traveling, a path that I believe is unsustainable for our quality of life, a path I sense residents have real concerns about. And these council members support Williams and Alistair. And if voters favor continuing along the same path that we're on, those are the candidates to vote for. But if voters favor a change in direction, they should elect me to work collaboratively on changing council practices, forging improved relationships, and providing what I believe Foster City residents want. I believe my business and life experiences, in addition to my commitment to ethics, civility, and collaboration, make me the best candidate to overcome our challenges with development, education, and traffic, while fostering a community-centric environment for our residents and small businesses. Sounds good, Sanjay. Sounds good. Um, Thank you. And I definitely appreciate you bringing kind of a different perspective. I think that's something that listeners, I think, uh, are going to kind of enjoy hearing on that. So one of the main main concerns of our current Mm -hmm. residents is our many housing developments, both Mm -hmm. on past, current, and future. And as someone you actually mentioned, you grew up in Foster City, so you have a long-time understanding of the current uh, reality of the Foster City housing issue. So where do you stand on further housing developments in Foster City and in general overall? 
And also, how does that fit into our overall demand in the Bay Area? Andre, this is a crucial issue for me as well. You know, uh, we currently have a council that is controlled by a pro-development majority. I think this is causing or creating some problems for our city, overcrowding our schools and, con- and contributing to our traffic woes. Voters are telling me they're concerned the most about this overdevelopment. Now, Foster City has done its part to plan for and create affordable housing. We are one of only two cities in the county that has met our regional needs housing allocation. But the jobs housing imbalance is so big, I don't think it's possible for us to build our way out. And attempting to do so is really going to impact the quality of life for us in the Bay Area. Specifically in Foster City, between Pilgrim Triton and Foster Square, the city has approved over a thousand housing units. I don't think we should approve anything more until we can assess the impacts of what has already been approved and have a solid plan. I believe a longer-term solution to benefit our lives is to work towards an east-west mass transit solution to relieve overcrowding on 92 and pass through traffic in our city. And I would rather work towards that and invest resources in that than some of the tinkering that we're doing now. So, so recently kind of to tie into what you're just mentioning, you know, there's been a heavily debated topic, and that is the Saris Regis housing development proposal for uh, the, the developer Saris Regis. So let's say you were actually already on the council right now, and mm-hmm. it actually came to a vote. So how would mm-hmm. you vote? Would you vote for it or against the current proposal? And ex- maybe you could explain your, your thought process on that. Sure. Andre, it's important that you and your listeners understand that I am not against development, but I am against continuing to develop without knowing the impacts of what has already been developed. If I were on the council today, I would vote no on the Saris Regis proposal to add 92 units at Pilgrim Triton for three main reasons. First, I do not want our community to be confused when they hear building housing there now is much better than a large commercial office building. We've heard the traffic impact of a large commercial building, and that would be much worse than adding housing. But it was not economically feasible to build a commercial structure there when the plan was approved. The master plan for that area was intended for development over time. And in a recent study ordered by the city, it confirms that it's still not economically feasible. But that same study confirms that a time will come when a scaled-down version of the commercial retail section will be feasible. Building housing now forever closes off that possibility. So I, along with many residents, believe the best thing for us to do is to wait for the future to arrive so we can fulfill the original intent. Second, as noted by two of our planning commissioners, the project abandons three of the four objectives set forth by the council in the Pilgrim Triton Master Plan. That plan called for a Pilgrim Triton Phase C to include commercial and retail so that people living in the 730 approved units at Pilgrim Triton could work and shop there. It was designed to be a self-contained and balanced economic unit. The current proposal abandons this plan. It removes all of the remaining promised retail and commercial space. Under this proposal, residents who live there will be forced to drive off-site to work and to shop. And that could be a problem. And finally, I have some strong reservations about the workforce housing portion of the Saris Regis proposal. 
mainly because it sets our public employees apart from our residents. Now, our city's employees are amazing, and they absolutely deserve an opportunity to live in this community where they work so hard in. Along with our city employees, our neighbors should also have an opportunity to live in affordable housing. The opportunity should be made available to all citizens who meet the requirements. And this is why we have a requirement for developers to include 20% affordable housing units when they build in Foster City. Secondarily, the proposal seems to be a tactic to gain approval for the project. We recognize the value of our city workforce and compensate them accordingly. It's a bit misleading to play to the public safety concerns and to say that these units will be occupied by first responders. While a few may qualify, the reality is that the majority will not qualify under the reduced income restrictions. At the end of the day, we have no obligation to bail out a developer who bought this parcel knowing it was not zoned for their intended use and who now seeks to dangle inducements in front of the council to gain approval for a more lucrative and quicker return on their investment. Well, thank you, Sanjay. I definitely appreciate appreciate your insight and just understanding of the Saris Regis proposal. And I think all of our listeners will kind of, uh, you know, be enlightened by your actually thought, thoughtful kind of response on that. I definitely appreciate you actually, uh, you know, responding on that particular question um, and really in depth. I think it's really, really the, the, the key right there. Um, so thank you, Andre. Yeah. Um, so, Moving on, another of the major issues is traffic, right? So traffic is just such a major concern. It affects every ah. single resident, everybody. And 5 o'clock, uh, you know, on Foster City Boulevard or, uh, you know, Hillsdale, it's just, you know. So what are some ideas to improve our major traffic uh, areas here in Foster City? You're right, Andre. This is a major concern of residents, and it's a concern of mine as well. But before we can talk about how to improve traffic flow, we need to better understand what is causing the congestion. How much is internal, such as running errands or people getting to work or parents taking kids to school? And how much of it is external, such as people trying to get around the 101-92 interchange? The data is available, and we need to use it to define the problem before we try to attack it. I know some re residents have come forward with inexpensive ideas that could be implemented quickly such as restriping to add lanes near an off-ramp, for example. And I know staff is working on this as well. They're looking at ways to make it inconvenient for drivers to use Foster City as a shortcut. My job is to help move great ideas forward, get the ear of Caltrans, convene the proper people, make sure we push hard for the community, and negotiate. Longer term, I see a need to make sure the 92-101 highway fix is moved up on the Caltrans priority list. This is going to take interagency communication, cooperation, and coordination. To this extent, I would like to strengthen our abilities to work through and with other agencies. Sounds good. Um, so besides housing and traffic, what is a major concern for you here in Foster City that you feel is important and you would like to bring change about? Well, <clears throat> connections are important, Andre. My campaign materials talk about uniting Foster City. That's not just rhetoric. I believe that the connectedness of our community is what makes Foster City a desirable and incredible place to live. 
but there's been some challenges in this area. For example, a loss of civility even in some cases. And I want to change that to bring us back to where we ought to be. Residents want to be heard. They want responsible development that maintains balance and community. They want a robust school system that can accommodate all of our children. They want to be able to enjoy the city, not sit in gridlock traffic trying to get home. And they want a council that is attuned to their desires and working collaboratively with them and with each other to achieve the balance our master plans have laid out. Now, as a community, we want to create an atmosphere where all Foster City residents feel comfortable reaching out and confident that they're receiving full and transparent information. So are there opportunities to re- improve the relationship with the San Mateo Foster City School Board and the Foster City Council? And how can that be achieved? Well, you can tell from my business as a franchisor of preschools that I'm deeply committed to education and teachers. My understanding is that relationships with the elementary school district are at an all-time low. So yes, I think there is no choice but to improve. And I've already reached out to some of the key players to start understanding the breakdown so that we can build a partnership that benefits everyone. We need to acknowledge that we are partners with a shared responsibility across a line on a map for providing the best neighborhood education possible. And I have the interest, experience, and knowledge to help make that happen. So are you in favor of a high school in Foster City? And if so, how can it be completed? (laughs) So this is a question that many of us are asking, especially on Nextdoor. In 2006, the city asked residents for input on land uses for a specific site. There were over 1,100 responses and 80%, 80% wanted to see that space used for a high school. But even after asking, the council voted unanimously to use the site for another purpose. The only way Foster City will ever see a high school here is to have an educationally friendly council with a healthy relationship with the high school district. We already have almost a 1,000 students in three grades at Bowditch. As a community, we have the need and we have the desire. I like the idea of getting a high school here. I think we can make that happen. I believe we could find a place to put one. There are solutions, but we need to be creative and cooperative. We just need to have the will, the good will, to pursue the opportunities. And this is an area in which I have some expertise. Well, that is good, Sanjay. That is good. I mean, I, th- I think uh, definitely your background, uh, in, in, you know, with the with with child development and things like that, definitely is uh, insightful on this particular point. Um, so, kind of moving on, uh, you know, we're going to get into some council kind of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. being a being someone on the council, right? So. You know, can you provide an instance where you were caught between contradicting factions on a heavily debated topic? And how are you able to navigate through to bring people together for a resolution? Andre, have you ever raised children? (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, uh, over my career, there have been strong personalities, disagreements over key decisions, and some pretty heated debates. But most people really just want to be heard. They want to know that those in a position to decide are listening. 
people want to know their input is being considered. And when it doesn't work out the way they hoped, they want to know the reasons for that. Collaboration and leadership through inclusiveness are skill sets that I bring to the table, which I think can help us here. So, so to follow up on that, um, you know, one of the mayors we interviewed here on Podcast by the Bay in the past, you know, mentioned that being on a council, you know, you really have to work together as a team and really deal with the different dynamics of the dis- of the different council members. So, what style of leadership do you bring to the table? to be able to work with these different personalities and really come together to solve problems for the community. Now, Andre, the code of ethics, which I've signed, and Robert's rules of order give us insightful guidance into how we should conduct ourselves. I believe that leaders should listen to understand, not to respond and investigate, communicate, and inspire. I think when you seek solutions instead of confirmation, And when you work collaboratively and cooperatively, the sky's the limit to what's possible. And that's what I want for our city. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, So what are some ways we can involve the community into participating into government and really being a part of the process? That's another good question, Andre. I think the best way to involve the community in the process is by encouraging them to act and by welcoming them when they do. We have a number of citizen advisory positions available, and I hope to see our residents apply for those. We have a highly educated population in Foster City. These advisory committees should not be used to rubber stamp ideas, but rather be engaged in more robust dialogue. They should drive recommendations to solve key issues we've talked about, like we've talked about here today. I also think some changes are needed with regard to transparency and civility. Residents need to know that we are there to serve the community, not the other way around. We should provide full and transparent communication, including appropriate report outs on closed sessions. Professional polling, as needed, should be used to be sure that we have a finger on the pulse of our community. And a better sense of order and civility in relation to our residents, city staff, outside agencies, and even amongst city council members would be helpful. If we can do those things, I believe our community involvement will soar. Sounds good, Sanjay. Um, so what would you feel your top three strengths are and could bring to the council? I believe my life experiences and commitment to ethics, civility, and collaboration make me the best candidate to overcome our challenges with development, education, and traffic while fostering a community-centric environment for our residents and small businesses. And what would your vision be for Foster City in 40 years? What do you see Foster City like in 40 years? <laughs> so it's, it's hard. It's hard to predict what the future will hold, Andre. Um, I think the first step is slowing down to take a look at what we've done so far. We have some work to do on infrastructure, traffic, schools, and some other things. But I envision a balanced Foster City. One where our residents can live and work and play, as our city slogan says. I want our children and our grandchildren to be able to enjoy our beautiful city. I hope our community will honor me with the privilege of serving them and contributing to our future. Well, Sanjay, it's been a pleasure to ask you all these questions, and I definitely appreciate your time and really for speaking with Podcast Podcast by the Bay. So with that... 
What do you have to say to the voters out there that are listening right now? I am here to serve you. We are an amazing community with tremendous potential. I'm committing my time and energy to listen and represent you and no one else. I will drive and support initiatives enhancing community connectedness and transparency. I'm not a developer, nor do I have relationships with developers. I do not win or lose when small businesses compete within our city for our business. I do not believe respect and civility are weaknesses. I'm driven by the morals and ethics my parents, teachers, coaches, and mentors have instilled in me from a very young age. My values are continuously strengthened by my family and my friends. If I am bestowed the honor of representing you, I want to be remembered as representing the best of who we are. We are selfless. We care for our elderly and we care for our children. And we put each other first. Let's put Foster City first. Where could the listeners and the voters actually find out more about you, uh, Sanjay? UniteFosterCity.com. Okay, there you have it, folks. UniteFosterCity.com. You can find out more about Sanjay and uh, hear about his vision for Foster City and about what his vision for change is. So, Sanjay, it's been a pleasure here having you on Podcast by the Bay, and we want to thank you very much. Thanks, thanks so much, Sanjay. Andre, thank you so much for the opportunity. Okay, thanks to Sanjay for speaking his vision about Foster City. Up next, we have Deborah Martinez. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. We have one of the candidates for the Foster City Council, and that's Deborah Martinez here. And so, Deborah, thank you for being on Podcast by the Bay. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, we are going to ask you a couple questions as we're doing all the candidates. First, we, we definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to actually uh, meet with here, meet with myself on Podcast by the Bay. And uh, so, we're going to ask you a couple questions, and uh, yeah. We'd like to hear about your vision and what you're looking for at Foster City. So I guess the first question is, can you give a little bit of background about who you are as a candidate and why you've decided to run for Foster City Council? Okay, yeah. I've lived in Foster City uh, over 20 years, and honestly, I wouldn't live anywhere else. I think it's the most beautiful place on earth. And I knew that I was going to live in Foster City even before I left Ohio 20-some years ago. Obviously, I'm from Ohio, and that's where I got my bachelor's degree in uh, finance and business management, and I have about 40 years of experience in the financial services industry. Currently, I'm working as a treasurer on a board, and you said, why did I decide to run? Okay, yes, I decided to run um, for city council because as I spoke to everybody, my family, my friends, uh, people that I met, they were concerned about how fast Foster City is growing and saying that it's not the foster city they remember. They're concerned about the overdevelopment, and I'm sure that that's a hot button for everybody. And it neg- uh, the, the overdevelopment is negatively contributing to the increased traffic flow. So it just seems to combine and roll downhill. With all of the developers, when they're tearing down the small business centers to build more houses and more condos and more apartments, then obviously we get more traffic. It's just a snowball effect. I said I'm not going to be a part of the problem i'm going to be a part of the solution and here i am well we commend you for for making that effort and public service i think that's that's honorable so really this is a crowded field right i mean we have uh two candidate 
open seats, right? So two seats that are open, and there's six different candidates. So it's a, it's a really kind of a crowded field. So what makes you the best choice as a candidate, and why should candidates or why should the voters vote for you? Well, that's an easy one from my perspective. I listen to what the citizens of Foster City are saying, and I think listening is is the key here. And my perspective is I want to know the facts, and I want to have the courage to stand for what is best for our community. In doing that, I also want to be transparent between the homeowners and the elected officials. So if we're doing that, then we're giving the voters what they want. And so with that being said, I believe I am the best candidate to represent the voters of Foster City. Okay, fair enough. Um, so what, one of the main concerns of the current residents, and I, th- I think you've, you've kind of heard some of this uh, just with from what you're describing, is really our, our many housing developments, you know, from the past, our current housing developments, and really our future. So where do you stand on further housing developments in Foster City and in general overall? And also, like, how does that fit into our overall demand in the Bay Area? Oh, wow. We just don't have enough housing for all these people, do we? But the Foster City residents, they're not happy about all the development that we're currently facing. If Foster City was located on a train track or a Caltrain way, some kind of public transportation, I think the overbuilding might make sense. But since we're not, that's why the voters are concerned, because as you overdevelop, you get the consequences of overbuilding, and that is traffic and it just snowballs. So we don't really want these big, tall office buildings. We want to provide, you know, the citizens of Foster City with local businesses to, you know, supply them with their goods and services and the restaurants and the dry cleaners and such. With overbuilding, we're not going to get that. We've ran all of the small businesses out of the city. And as you know, between Pilgrim Triton and Foster Square, the city has grown by about a 1,000 housing units, I believe, and many of those units are still vacant. We already have problems with traffic. Can you imagine when all those units are full? So in my opinion, we shouldn't approve any more building until we can figure out the impact of what we've got and resolve that impact with a plan. Okay. And, you know, recently, as you mentioned, the Pilgrim Triton, you know, there's been a heavily debated topic. And one of the current issues right now that's going on the Planning Commission on the current council is really this Saris Regis housing development proposal, the, 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 the developer, Saris Regis. And so are you aware of that one? Are you familiar with the Saris Regis project? Yes. Okay. So Yes, I am. Great. Um, so let's say you were on the council now. Let's just say hypothetically. And it actually came up for a vote and you were there. So how would you vote? Would you vote for or against the current proposal? And what would your be your thought process on it? You really want to put us on a dime, don't you? <laughs> my opinion, my answer, honestly, would be if I were on the city council today, I would vote against Saris Regis because of what I've already said. We need to get everything that we've got going on fixed before we start adding more problems to it. You know, why contribute to overbuilding more when we, you know, we don't even have the units that we currently have built filled? That's my opinion, and that's why I would vote against it. I don't think we need a 20-story or, you know, however many office building, however many stores that office building is going to end up being. And you also have to think about what it's taken away from the community as, as, you know, Mr. Foster wanted it to be. We don't have these really, we have enough office buildings, and they're not all uh, rented. We just don't need another problem that we d- to add to the problems we already have that we have no solutions to. 
So just kind of follow up on that on that point. So is there would you say there might be an alternate kind of idea that could be used for 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 that site at all? Sure. There there's always a solution, a viable solution to a problem. It just has to fit the problem. We have a problem now that we're that we're not able to fix. And by adding another Saras Regis building onto that, we're just adding more problems before we and so do we snowball into problems 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 before we fix anything? No. I say let's step back look at everything, evaluate everything, and then move on. But, there, yeah, there's another, there's a solution to the Saras Regis building. It's just not that one right now. Okay. Sounds good. So moving on, we'll, we'll get to another hot, hotly discussed topic, and I think you've actually highlighted it in pretty much almost all of your answers so far, and that's traffic. And so traffic is such a major concern, and it affects all the residents. So what are some ideas you might have to improve our current uh, traffic situation? Well, you got me here. The answer to that question, in my opinion, is beyond my expertise. And the reason I say that is because we have all of these transportation entities that we could go to to provide us answers or at least solutions to what our problem is with traffic. What I'm thinking is the Metropolitan Transit and Samtrams. So if we have other entities in our community that can provide us with information to determine traffic patterns and to help us get people moved around, then we probably would be fine. But I just don't have the expertise to answer that. And I think we, we should probably work with these bigger entities um, to help us solve our problem because, you know, we just don't have, in my opinion, the tools to do it alone. W- would you be open to some alternative uh, ideas like maybe some water transit taxis and, and some alternative ideas like hovercrafts and things like that that might kind of use different modes of transportation. Now, I have to tell you, Andre, that's something I had not thought of, but I think that's a great idea. I mean, if they could offer us something like that, similar from people coming from Sausalito to the city, that would be perfect. Or at least get the people far enough up the peninsula if they're going to the city or down the peninsula if they're going to San Jose to get some of these cars off the freeways. Because I don't know if you've ever came in or out of Foster City uh, early in the morning or around 5 at night. I mean, it's a parking lot. We need to solve that problem. And again, I don't have the expertise to do that, but I would reach out to those who do. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so besides housing and traffic, which are really the, the two big hot topics a lot of people talk about, what are you, some of your concerns here in Foster City, and what do you feel is important and what you could bring change to? Well, as a city council member, I think the word is city, city council. So I think it's important to um, improve the level of participation of the community in the city. And I'll be honest with you, when I've talked to people and they've said, you know, I I would be willing to, you know, share my time to be on a committee or something, I'm like, great, bring it on, we need more people. So if you just listen to the citizens and you get their feedback, you probably can get some pretty good committees, subcommittees, with the you know, city council that will help us with some of these major problems. I mean, we have some really smart people living here, and we should make uh, better use of their talent and their expertise and their advice. Makes sense. Makes sense. So w- what is your assessment on the relationship with the San Mateo Foster City School Board and the current Foster City Council? And is, are there improvement opportunities with that relationship? And if so, how can that be achieved? My opinion is that this is a jurisdictional problem. They're fighting against each other. And I don't understand that because we have the same objective, and that's to educate our children. And for that reason alone, 
I think they should try to work together. And if there's a problem that they can't solve, they need to reach out and ask for people to help them. But this is a problem that Foster City can't handle, can't uh, solve by itself. We have to depend on San Mateo to help us. It's kind of a you know catch twenty four. You either do or you don't. But I would I would welcome seeing a, a high school here, uh, providing that it was justified by the number of students that were here, or even you know if building a high high school would take kind of like a middle school and combine you know a couple grades more than we should, that could be an uh, an alternative as well. Oh, yeah, I yeah I think those are some great ideas, and I know a lot of the I know high school has always been talked about uh, for a number of years. I mean, and, and it almost seems like uh, with the recent developments in Redwood City that uh, there might be the more of the climate now to actually move forward with with some of those kind of ideas. So, kind of getting into some of you know working together and, and some of those things work. You know, as a city councilman. You're, you know, you're, you're definitely working with five different people, right? So you're working with, you're working on, a, on, on a team. So can you provide an instance where you were caught between contradicting factions, and on, on a heavily debated topic? And how were you able to navigate through and bring people together for a resolution? Well, I think one thing is, you know, personalities. Everyone has a personality, and that doesn't matter when you're working on a team of five or twenty. You all have to get on the same page. In order to do that, you should be able to have civil discussions. And it's not like I'm all right or you're on wrong. You just talk through it, you know, and you agree to disagree. So you negotiate and you come up with a viable solution. And again, there's no need to have backbiting or anything like when you were in kindergarten. Um, You just need to be able to work through it like an adult. And so I understand that there are differences and everyone's entitled to their opinion, but they have to be civil and work with each other. And like I, I've often said, gosh, I can't get five of you to decide where we're going to go eat at a restaurant, you know, let alone telling anybody where we're going. So, you know, it's, it's that simple. Sounds good. So, so with that, I mean, what style of leadership do you bring to the table to, to really work with the different personalities and to really come together uh, to really solve the problems for the community? Well, like I said, you got five people, and they all have their own personalities, and I find that this is probably pretty similar to the last question that you asked. And really, the only thing I can come up with is present the facts, know what you're talking about, make a decision, and then let the next person do the same. And then when you all five get done, you're going to have an answer, one way or the other. <laughs> Sounds good. So... What, what are some ways we can involve the community into participating in government and really being a part of the process? Yeah. Well, I think I've already mentioned that. I mean, the people, like I said, that I've been talking to have, you know, you know said this is the problem, that is the problem, you know, traffic. I feel like a broken record, traffic, <laughs> overbuilding, I feel like a broken record. But what they say is if you guys would, you know, come to us and ask us, we would help. So I think we should have some city council subcommittees, maybe some citizen advisory committees that would help us with the school problem. Maybe somebody in San Mateo knows somebody in Foster City and they can kind of be, you know, they can reach out for us. I mean, we've, like I said, we've got all this talent in this city. We just need to use it. And if people are willing to step up, we're silly not to do that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think there's a lot of very, very uh, smart people and people who have a lot of great ideas. So I, I appreciate your willingness to actually work with the people to actually uh, bring forth some of those ideas. I think that's a great, great, great concept. 
so what, what would you feel your, your top three strengths are and, and it could really bring to the council? Oh, shucks. You want me to brag now, don't you? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, me. I'm a person of my word. That's one. And when I take on a task, I'm all in. I'm just all in. And the last thing I can say is I'm extremely determined. And that would be three. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. And so I guess one a couple my only a couple more questions, but what would your vision be for Foster City in 40 years? We talked a lot about what uh, Jack Foster's vision was. What is your vision if, in, if, in for Foster City in 40 years? That's a tough one, you know, for me. But do you think we could have flying cars? <laughs> you never know. You never know. That technology is moving pretty fast, right? <laughs> well, actually, yeah. I mean, I was just teasing right there, but that would obviously uh, fix our traffic problem. So what I see, the first step would be to, like, to look after the completion of all the construction has been done and see where we are then and then, you know, address our infrastructure needs. It's not just the traffic, guys. It's what's under the traffic. You know, we have infrastructure that now is about 45 years old. That has to be taken care of. There's a lot of civil city things that need to be done that we don't see because they're underground. I would say, you know, grab our flying cars and look at the completion of the approved construction and address all our infrastructure traffic and our schools and all the things we've talked about today. And let's take care of those, and then we'll move on. Sounds good. Sounds good. And who knows? We might just have flying cars. So, you know, that, that, <laughs> is, that is definitely, uh, you know, there's a lot of different technology ideas. So, um, so I guess my last question for you would be, or actually, it's not so much a question, but what do you want to say to the voters? Here's your opportunity. So go ahead and maybe speak to the voters. And, and what, what do you want to tell the voters? Well, I'd like to tell the voters that I am uh, listening to them. I hear what they're saying. I will take that to the committees. I'll take it to the council. And I'll let everybody know what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And I welcome you all to come to the city council meetings. Sounds good. Well, we definitely appreciate your time, Deborah. It was a pleasure meeting you and speaking with you and really hearing your vision. Could you provide your email where people can actually get a hold of you? Yes, of course. It's uh, Deborah Martinez for City Council at gmail.com. And yes, I have a website. It is uh, www.debramartinez for City Council.com. And I welcome any contact you have, any questions you have. Just reach out to me, and let's get this done. Sounds good. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and a pleasure meeting you. Thanks again, Deborah. You're welcome, Andre. Take care, everybody. Okay, thanks to Deborah for speaking her vision on Foster City. Up next, we have Patrick Sullivan. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. We're featuring our election coverage for the Foster City Council race. And so today we actually have uh, the candidate, as also who's also our co-host of Podcast by the Bay, but today he's in his candidate form, and that's Patrick Sullivan. So Patrick, welcome to Podcast by the Bay in this capacity. We always appreciate you in your normal capacity, but we're excited to present you as a candidate. So Patrick, can you give a little background on who you are as a candidate and why you've decided to run for Foster City Council? 
Okay, Andre, um, I've lived in Foster City for about 26 years. I'm a real estate broker and also host on podcast by the Bay. Um, I've been, since day one when I moved into Foster City, I've been active on the park and rec for 10 years and also chaired it. Um, I've also participated in most of the uh, stuff, most of the stuff on the levy since the inception three years, a little over three years ago. I'm passionate about Foster City. I see that Foster City has a lot of little bridges to overcome, whether it's the levy or whether it's the rec center or whether it's housing or whether it's transportation. Um, I got inspired to uh, throw my hat in the ring because uh, a lot of people were speaking to me and were telling me, Patrick, you were close the last election. We want you back. We think you've got good ideas. Um, I've had the fortunate uh, to be in a, a mediator or a mediated host on Podcast by the Bay and opportunity to, to collaborate with uh, about 16, 17 different mayors on the peninsula talking about housing, talking about transportation. Uh, and they've all inspired me that some of the thoughts that I had the last time I ran uh, were still issues. We're talking about environmental impact reports where we're seeing um, too much, uh, too many uh, cars on the roads and uh, too much high-density housing. I'm in favor of housing because I support housing. I'm a real estate broker, but I also see the infrastructure as a major problem. And I also uh, had the fortunate opportunity to attend quite a few planning commission meetings. And I think uh, Mr. Wyckoff and Dan Dykeman also voiced that opinion several times uh, to the rest of the planning commission that we have to be a little bit more cautious in what we approve for the future. So I am, I'm honored to run for city council. I think I can bring years of experience and collaboration uh, and leadership. Uh, and most of all, I have the ability to listen closely and the, the ability to listen to others and to have respect to be a public servant. Sounds good. So this is a crowded field for just two open seats in this Foster City Council race. So what makes you the best choice as a candidate and why should the voters vote for you? Well, well, first of all, um, I, I, I've been independent. No matter whether I had uh, won the race or not, I'm still participating in the process. I represent um, the people. Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily, I don't go for a slate. I've never de- determined for a slate. I, this time around, I've got a, a team working with me and coaching me and, and guiding me along the path. I'm passionate about the issues. I'm there talking about the issues. I'm there interviewing the people that are going to make decisions for the people of Foster City. I don't always agree with the council. I don't don't always agree with the planning commission, but I'm there to fight back for the people because I think the voices of the people haven't been heard and and that's unfortunate. And I think that most of the people that I've talked to in the in the past have all supported that idea and they're looking forward to seeing me be on the council to make a difference. Well, one of the main issues and you actually kind of brought it up is housing and really housing developments. And so, you know, both on past developments, current developments, and future. So, so where do you stand on further housing developments in Foster City in general? And really, how does that fit into our overall demand in the Bay Area? Well, you know, I've had the fortunate opportunity to talk to, um, to live in a town where 20% below market or affordable housing is a factor. So we're very, very blessed. We have a surplus amount of money in, in revenue. But most of the cities um, on the peninsula don't have a requirement that they have uh, a 20%. Some have 11%, some have 10% or by project. 
So we're fortunate in Foster City um, that we have really made our housing requirement. Um, so it, it's a unique situation. But um, in regards to the housing, we need workforce housing. We need teacher housing. They call it first responder. We, we need below market. So with that said, with talking with Senator Weiner on Podcast by the Bay, we spoke about those things. We collaborated, and I asked him directly, because at that time we were tr- uh, trying to talk about 827, which was trying to put a club over the cities, and probably 99% of the cities don't want a uh, any legislation that restricts their, uh, uh, or requires that they build so much housing. So I think the question really remains, as I asked Senator Weiner, what type of housing do we need? If we need 3.5 million in the state, what do we need in Foster City? How much percentage is it workforce housing, first responders? Now, I am a little confused. I heard last night at the council meeting on Monday that um, Herb, Herb Perez, our former mayor, and Sam Hindi were all saying anybody that lives or works in Foster City is uh, a first responder. So again, I guess we're kind of stretching that definition. I know they're not clear on that yet. And uh, the Saris Regis project, I think, is a, is a good project, but I was very willing to pull back on it primarily because of the uh, the transportation and the lack of the lack of parking and the more more traffic that was there. So. I think we're using outdated uh, reports, um, I, I recall, and, and I think that those reports on the environmental impact report, based on what I've been talking to those 16 or 17 mayors, needs to be adjusted. But I think, first of all, we have to have a plan. What type of housing do we really need? So so that's actually, you, you just brought up the point of the Saris Regis project. So this is just a hypothetical question, but let's say you're actually on the city council currently, and the current Saris Regis housing proposal actually came to a vote. So how would you vote? Would you vote for it or against it, the current proposal? And what is your thought process behind that? Well, my thought process first in looking at the Saris Regis project is is that I think that I needed to work with the Planning Commission and also work with council. We needed to mitigate the transportation there. And, and I didn't see that play out in this situation. I'm in favor of the housing concept and the concept that the city is going to be the owner of these of these units uh, and these 12 units that they're going to do they, they've got some moderate to middle income to whatever and i think it's a good revenue stream for the city but i don't think that the the planning commission and the city council actually mitigated the the major problem and if we look at the problem from a micro to a macro, we can see that all of the cities are approving uh, plans with these outdated environmental impact reports. And what they're doing with this, that means that sometimes the city will pay in lieu parking. So in this proposal with the Saris Regis, they're going to pay in lieu of parking. So I would try the best to negotiate. Obviously, I'm only one vote on the council, but if I could convince them, I know I know that uh, Council Mahanapur was not in favor. And I think reading or listening to Ms. Mahanapur, I think she wanted to define more uh, uh, incomes or more levels of housing that it should be for. So I think they're a little bit not clear on that. So I think my best thing is to continue to fight for housing, but fight for housing only when it makes sense, only when it when it doesn't compromise the environment that we live in, the traffic um, and the congestion on the roads. Sounds good. So traffic, you just brought up another major concern, and this was really affecting all the residents. And everybody, we've talked to people on Podcast by the Bay, you talk to any resident in a coffee shop, that's what's on people's mind. 
So what are some of ideas that you have that to really improve major traffic areas? Well, I, th- I think, first of all, um, we have to look that we don't have a transit district. Um, we, ha- we, have, we talk with Seamus Murphy, who, who is the uh, communication director for BART, Sam Trams, and, and uh, Caltrain and all that. And that's wonderful. And they meet once or twice a year in this symposium. But we don't collectively work together. They're all fighting for the same federal and state tax dollars. It was interesting. Seamus Murphy said the Caltrans or the Caltrans or the uh, bus Amtrams is really for the poor and the disabled, which probably is true. Um, and, and I would imagine a lot of the tech people. And we got to give credit to Visa. And we got to give credit to Gilead's. We got to give credit to all of these stakeholders in Foster City that are busing people in. Um, and an average bus load is 120 people. So they're they're also contributing or helping. Um, but that still doesn't solve the immediate problem that we face in Foster City, which is the East-West 92. Obviously, the, the new lane change or pay-as-you-go is not a solution to the problem. So I think that we collectively need to get together on that transportation. I interviewed Rick Bonilla, the mayor of San Mateo, and Mayor Sam Hindi, and I said, there's a lot of people that I knocked on their door. They would love to take the train in the morning. Why not have a commuter commuter lane in the morning so that the people in Foster City can get out? Now, this is only one small answer. And I think that when talking with a lot of, when I was collaborating with a lot of mayors and a lot of people that are experts on transportation, they said, we need to do a shotgun approach. I think we need to do a shotgun approach, but we need to have a plan. We need to have a transit district that is working well together so that we can connect BART as easy. As I mentioned, Gina Pappen talked about how the BART train didn't go in enough to the airport, obviously, long enough and as much as it should to relieve the traffic. So I think there's solutions out there. I look forward to bringing uh, collaboration, my experience, and my leadership ability to, to bring other people to the, the, the table to discuss this. Because it's not just Foster City. If we can work with San Mateo, or, or San Mateo works with Belmont, or Redwood City works with San Carlos, and we've actually put a plan together that makes sense, we can tackle this problem. And with that said, we need to bring in your Gileads or your Apple or your Google or your Oracle to see what they can do to speed up the process. So besides housing and traffic, what is a major concern here in Foster City that you feel is important and would like to bring change about? Well, I am still concerned um, about uh, the levy. Even though the levy is passed, it's a wonderful thing, and we have, and it's a ninety million dollar bond. There's a, there's a float on it, and I think the float may be ten percent, maybe fifteen percent. But right now, with the crisis on the peninsula, and that is workforce, the people that to be able to build that levy. So I am a little bit concerned about that levy. I want that levy to be completed. I, and I and I only compared a little bit to to what's happened with the sewer treatment plant. That cost has gone skyrocketing primarily because of the cost of labor. So we do have some problems. We do have some problems that we don't have the labor force right away to take care of this. And the labor force is expensive. So we can count on that we're still going to see that maybe that 90 million goes to 110 or 140 million. And I would be concerned that we would be taking that money from, from our, our surplus money that we have in the city of Foster City. So I am concerned. I think we need a watchful eye. 
Our city has been very, very prudent with, with the money that we have in reserve, which is about 44, 43 million. Plus they have another maybe 50 or 60 million, which is for CIP projects. So I, I think that we got to keep our eye on the ball. We got to work with Edwin uh, in the finance department. He's an outstanding man. I talked with him for about an hour um, about the budget and talked about structural deficit. So I think we've got a plan. I don't think you can just jump into this. There's no course to be coming. I've been working dedicated to the city of Foster City for 26 years. And my 26 years is, is still, I've got a burning torch to do the right thing to help the people in Foster City. Are there opportunities to improve the relationship with the San Mateo Foster City School Board and the Foster City Council? And how can that be achieved? I spoke about this a while back too. Yes, yes, yes to everything. Are they doing the right approach? I think they're just doing more of the same rhetoric that they've done before. Uh, maybe two of the council people meet with, with the elementary school district and then maybe two of the, the, the board meet with, with the uh, council people at City Hall. I think they may need a mediator here. We need, we need to strike a common decision that would work it because it's still like a bad marriage. We're still having people complaining about the charter square approval because the charter square approval is $11 million over budget, and it's still not going to have quite an, enough classroom space for the students. So we st- we're still having a bad, bad relationship or marriage here. As I've mentioned repeatedly for the last 10 or 15 years, our elementary and our intermediate schools are going to increase in population. By God, they did. They've all increased. So in order to keep the quality of life, we need to work with the school district. We need to bring in a mediator or some kind of source, some kind of collaboration, and some real skilled leadership. It's not just that it's the school district's fault. It is not just Foster City's fault or the city of San Mateo. We need some independent thinking and collaboration through mediation. So are you in favor of a high school in Foster City? And if so, how can it get completed? Well, you know, I think I've been down that road many times. Um, I think a high school would be crucial if we had the land to do it. Um, Obviously, uh, uh, several times they broke ground on a high school. One was the Episcopal High School, which I was really opposed to because it didn't have a requirement that Foster City kids could go. It was a private one. Of course, the economic times turned down, and that was the last time we actually had the land. I know the scuttlebuttle on the street is talking about eminent domain for Orchard Supply. Even if Orchard Supply could become a high school, it would be a, maybe a chartered high school or not a full high school. So if we had the land and the school district had the will to do that, I think that should be a consideration. But I would say most of the residents don't feel that the willpower to see that happen. As we see new families move in, if that land was there and we could do it, I think that the power to the people. Um, I think it should be built um, if if we have the land and the ability to do it. Okay, here we go. Can you provide an instance where you were caught between contradicting factions on a heavenly debated topic? And how were you able to navigate through to bring people together for a resolution? Well, you, you know, I, I think about being a moderator on podcast by the bay and 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 obviously i ran for election against uh, a few people in the past um 
Catherine Mahanapar and Gary Pollard was, I didn't run against him, but he, he was also um, a city council person that, that, that I didn't have real good communication with. And Catherine, who I didn't have, because they thought we were opposing views and we didn't agree. So I pushed through. It took me several months to, to interview Gary uh, Pollard and even more so to interview Catherine uh, Mahanapar. And I, I would encourage you to listen to that because what it did is it made a breakthrough for both of us. It made a breakthrough so that they completely understood where I stood, whether it was on the levy or whether it was on the schools. As I mentioned, I signed the code of the code of ethics when running for this election. I don't attack anybody. I don't say bad words about people. I don't take their signs off the property. I do all the things that are honorable to represent the people. But it, but it's important to get the message out. Sometimes that message doesn't get out until you can meet to meet with somebody on a one 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 to one basis. So, I've won I've won a lot more people over by that ability to go and go to the source and actually call them and and bug them until they talk to me. They don't have to agree with me and I don't have to agree with them, but we do have common ground and we need to continue to push for common ground to collaborate. That's what real leadership's all about. So to follow up on that, one of the mayors we've actually interviewed here on Podcast by the Bay actually mentioned about being on council and having to work together as a team and really dealing with the different dynamics of the different council members. So what style of leadership do you bring to the table to be able to work with the different personalities and come together to solve problems for the community? Well, as I mentioned my skills, I, I'm a trained arbitrator and have been an arbitrator, for, a volunteer arbitrator for the San Mateo County Bar Association for 15 years. I was one of the own, only non-attorneys trained by the American Arbitration Association. My skills is understanding personalities. I've been in the real estate business for over 30 years, and I know that I need to, to work with the skills I have to communicate with my clients, whether they're buying a home for the first time or, or whether, whether they're a disillusionment of their marriage or it's someone passing away. So I understand the different dynamics of the personalities. When you work, run for office and when you're elected, you're a public servant, and that public servant represents the public. So I look forward to the ability for collaboration and to work with the people that are presently on the council and whoever is also successful um, winning a, a, a seat on the council too. I think Paul is a nice guy. I th think Sanjay is an, a nice person. I don't, I know, I met Deborah. I don't know the rest of the candidates because they're all relatively new to the process. They haven't been around the circle, so to speak, to find out what the process is all about. Okay, so what would you feel your top three strengths are and you could bring to the council? I think one is my experience. My experience uh, of the many years of dedication to public service, no matter my willingness to listen. My most other thing is, is, is collaboration. I'm willing to collaborate not just with the council members, with outside sources that could bring more contribution for resolving issues. And three, I've got leadership skills. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, a, a good leader is willing to listen, willing to compromise, and willing to see things change and let other people be empowered for the change. It's not my decision always. It's how we get to that decision that makes things happen. And when we get to that decision, when we collaborate and we bring our good experiences in, we really build strong leadership for success. And that success means 
we're going to have a successful levy project that we're going to we're going to try to work on traffic that we're going to try to come with a, a practical solution for the for the park and rec uh, uh, building that's going to need a new roof or a new development. So I think we collectively need to bring things together and be objective about each other. So last question. What is your vision for Foster City in 40 years? Wow, that's a long time. I, I know I won't be around, so I'm going to try to imagine. I'm going to try to imagine that we're going to have a lot more electric cars, and I'm going to try to imagine that there will be a lot more people not driving cars and that we will be quite more mobile, whether we're mobile on a bike, mobile on a scooter, whether it's going to be a gondola and we'll have more uh, solar we're going to have more state-of-the-art classrooms. Um, I, I can see that, that uh, we will be able to improve quite a bit if we take the right direction. And I, 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 can, I can envision that our levy is still going to be here because we're, we're building on that levy for a 40-year or 50-year plan. Um, I, I imagine it's still going to be the most wonderful place around with the 24 beautiful parks and with the nice waterway. So I'm assuming the best for Foster City. My vision is that we will continue to maintain the quality of life we all deserve in Foster City and in the future. Is there anything you want to say to all the voters out there that are listening to this right now? Well, I want, I want to say most of all, thank you for the opportunity to run. And I also want you to realize we have vision and I want to hear your vision for Foster City. I don't want you to feel that you're not, your voices aren't heard. They can be heard. But if everyone decides that they want to go one direction because they're friends with somebody and they vote vote one way because that person votes one way, whether it's on the city council, whether it's on the planning commission, we don't resolve anything. We actually need the people to realize that I can be the voice for the people of Foster City, a voice of leadership, a voice of collaboration, and a voice of experience. So... Do you have a website or what's the best way that people can get a hold of you for a few further questions? www.patricksullivanfostercity.com or patricksullivanfostercity at gmail.com. Look forward to serving. Look forward to your questions. And I'm going to give a little commercial. I'm, I might not make it out in time, but on the I've got a meet and greet it, um, happening at the water waterfront there, and it's going to be from 11 to 1 o'clock. I look forward to seeing you there. I look forward to your questions. Okay, Patrick. Well, thanks for your time, and appreciate your interview on Podcast by the Bay. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Andre. Thanks, Patrick, for speaking your vision on Foster City. Finally, we have Mark Farron. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay, and we're continuing our candidate forum for the Foster City Council. And so today we actually have Mark Farron, who's one of the candidates for Foster City Council. So Mark, thank you for being with us on Podcast by the Bay. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hi, Andre. Thanks for having me. We're going to go ahead and ask a couple questions. So the first one is, can you give a little background on who you are as a candidate and why you've decided to run for Foster City Council? My name is Mark Farron. I'm a former tennis professional and stay-at-home dad. Uh, I moved to Foster City six years ago. I have two grown adult kids, uh, and they have been, I've been, I've been the majority of my life for the last uh, 13, 14 years, and their whole life, but my responsibility for the last 13, 14 years is... Um, my wife was the main breadwinner in our family, and I decided to run for Foster City Council after living in this city 
for uh, the last six years and seeing what a gem we have here. And I'd like to polish that gem with some experience of being a world traveler, seen most of the world, and uh, I'd like to bring some fresh ideas and uh, make Foster City what it's capable of and, and with a common sense approach. Nice, nice. So this is a crowded field for just two open seats in this Foster City Council race. So what makes you the best choice as a candidate, and why should the voters vote for you? Well, I don't have a specific agenda. I'm going to bring fresh ideas, uh, open mind, common sense. I'm not looking to go in and reverse one decision and be done with it and satisfy X amount of people in the city, one way or the other. So uh, my opinion is, uh, my reason for running is to bring these ideas. Uh, I will listen to both sides. I do have opinions on both sides of different uh, issues, but uh, I'm not going to be a one-issue guy. Uh, so if you want a one-issue guy, you got to look somewhere else. Um, I'm here for, for everybody, uh, not just the people that are uh, making noise. I'm here for uh, to beautify this city even more than it is uh, to advance it and to, uh, like I said, bring ideas that I don't think uh, maybe maybe have been crossed, but maybe not. And um, uh, bring the Bay Area's technology and everything else to the city that I think it could use. One of the main concerns of the current residents is our many housing developments, both on past, current and future. So where do you stand on further housing developments in Foster City and in general overall? And how does that fit into the overall demand in the Bay Area? Yeah, so I have an opinion on that. I think uh, we may have overreacted and overgrown a little too fast instead of taking our time. But when housing prices start going at a thousand a square foot, uh, builders are going to be anxious to get a piece of this and get in here. So I'm sure there's some incentive for the city to streamline some of this stuff through and make sure that they get their uh, buildings done. Um, I would have taken a slower approach. Uh, I would have liked to see how each building affects the city before moving on to the next one. Um, resources that we have, uh, the water, sewer, uh, everything that, um, it goes into new building projects. You know, I'm not too worried about projects of you know, 10 or 20. Uh, I don't think that influences the city at all. Uh, this last one, uh, the Saris Regis project, that's the hot button that everybody's coming in uh, to get a candidate to vote one way or the other. Uh, I think that one is a, uh, you know, that, that's the number one thing on everybody's mind. That's it's, it's not on mine. I I just think that you got to look at each case individually. Um, I'm a slow growth guy. I'm not a no growth guy. Uh, I think you have to go. You have to move forward. Where the population's only getting bigger. We're not going to get shrinking. Um, and uh, but we don't have the land. So even if people want to build these uh, bigger apartments, where are they going to do it? Uh, and I would take long looks at a lot of them. Uh, I've uh, uh, the Saris Regis one, uh, I don't know how long ago the first stage was approved, but I think the second stage, uh, the way they flipped it into the townhomes, 
I would have liked to see more retail. So I would have been against doing straight townhomes. Uh, I would have liked to see retail, um, big pro business, local business, keeping everything local, um, try to get some new restaurants and everything in here. Uh, so, you know, I'm, it, it's not a hard no, a hard yes. Uh, sorry for the people that are on each side. Um, so, uh, like I said in the last question, I don't think uh, I'm your guy if you want to go hard one way or the other. Um, I'll take it by case by case and uh, and see the merits of each one and vote accordingly. So, so you actually bring up traffic, and that actually is another major concern and really is affecting all the residents. So what are some, what are some ideas that you might have to really improve some of our major traffic congestion? Well, I think uh, Bay Area made big mistake back in the day when BART wasn't completed, getting all the way around the Bay. Uh, I've been, I traveled a ton in Europe, and uh, you know the train station is it's just the way to go. Everybody gets around that way. It takes the congestion off the roads and with the subways, and uh, we should have been further thinking ahead and connected that all the way down to the South Bay and around um, and across the Bay a few different places. Anyway, since that wasn't done, I think uh, we need to use technology. Um, we need to stop being a thoroughfare for people that are cutting across 92. Just get in line, get on 92, and suffer the bridge commute. Uh, you know, down the road, uh, hopefully the state will increase the lane capacity of 92 like they did uh, 20 years ago, and um, they're going to have to do it again. It's uh, it was great for a couple of years after that bridge. My wife used that bridge, which we lived in San Ramon, uh, to commute over the uh, Menlo Park, and it was a uh, it was a great um, time saver once they opened up that third lane. But they, you know, we have to do something to alleviate that traffic. So not being a cut uh, cut through will help residents. Um, then also maybe creating a Hillsdale. Uh, 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 traffic control as in we'll, we can do different lanes, adjustable lanes where we have more lanes going the commute direction to get us out there. Uh, maybe exclusive carpool, electric car, bus, lift, uh, autonomous cars, uh, all kinds of any technology that can help move people. Um, bike lanes that are trying to you know, get people uh, like in Europe off their, out of their cars and onto their bikes. Um, all for that and uh you know so get everybody healthier and moving around that's what this city's all about outdoors you know a a number of people have actually brought up those uh, some of those ideas as far as leveraging some of the talent so i think you're on to something there that's a that's a great great point um so besides really housing and traffic what is a major concern here in foster city that's important to you and that you would like to bring change about so to add to the traffic one, I'd also be a major uh, uh, advocate for bringing a ferry. Um, so that, that ties into the things that I'd like to do with, uh, you know, the levees passed. I'd like to make the levee the envy of the Bay Area rather than just a big, big wall. So whatever plans I could get involved in there to improve that take whatever the best levy in the world is and let's improve that and put it in foster city so that it's something that we can take our friends and visitors to as a, uh, uh, a place to be, you know, enjoy 
rather than a place to avoid and don't look at that you know ugly wall over there uh, we now live in a dungeon so i think uh, that um i want to take our parks i want to make our parks uh take them from good which i think they are to spectacular you know people enjoy laying out at the beach uh, i don't think that's a thing people do around here anymore the sand is kind of gross and uh, goose droppings everywhere. I can't walk my dog from sort of across the park without him wanting to uh, chase the geese or uh, step in goose poop. So uh, that's an, another one I'd like to see the parks uh, take it, been taken advantage of uh, by everybody. Um, the other thing is uh, try to bring more retail and restaurants, bars, and lastly. Um, I know it's been something that has uh, been not really been talked about much, and it's uh, a marina. I think it's just crazy that we're a city on the on the water, but really we're not. We're only on our lagoon, and uh, we have a natural resource of the Bay Area to that we don't uh, the Bay itself, sorry, um, that we don't get to take advantage of, and uh, that seems crazy to me. Um, so a ferry would tie into that. Uh, I think uh, would you know, lessen commutes for some people. We have Oracle, we have Gilead, um, uh, and I think that's those are more of my main points that I'd like to bring in. Are there opportunities to improve the relationship with the San Mateo Foster City School Board and the Foster City Council, and how can that be achieved? Absolutely, I think with fresh faces. You know, just uh, new people to interact with, new energy, um, people that don't have history together, uh, that uh, either didn't uh, like somebody for whatever reason and didn't get off the first time, um, trying to hit it off uh, and, you know, find common ground. Um, I'm all about the win-win. Uh, don't think you need to uh, get everything you want. You just got to get something that you want and the other guy gets something that he wants. Uh, we're, we're, we're a bell curved world and we're all on a different part of that curve and we have different needs and wants. And, but I think uh, I'd like to solve that so that everybody gets a little bit on that curve. And uh, I think uh, I'm a good peace negotiator uh, can deal with people. Well, I think, uh, you know, I was, I'm big, I'm uh, advocate for high school. Uh, I've been told that's dead in the water. Uh, but if it came up to vote, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. But if it did, I would be very, very favorable to that. Uh, I think it's a huge community boost and uh, something that every city should have. It's just uh, crazy that we don't. So, um, you know, and even if we don't bring a high school, how about trade school, online, brick and mortar school? You know, both my kids were homeschooled, so uh, I know there's options out there. We can be new age. We don't have to do the same thing as everybody else. Uh, let's make it unique and have some unique options. Definitely. And you mentioned a high school. That was one of my questions, so I think we kind of you kind of answered your perspective on a high school. I think that was very, very, uh, you know, appreciate you actually bringing that up because I think a lot of people are concerned about high schools. Um, so – We'll move on. And so can you provide an instance where you were caught between contradicting factions on a heavily debated topic? 
And how were you able to navigate through to bring people together for a resolution? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't have any specific political uh, background. I mean, I think that's part of my strength and part of my weakness. Uh, I, I got the ability to take things, fresh look at things. Um, and But negotiating a piece, I would, the only thing I can bring it back to is uh, my own tennis experience of being a tennis director and manager of a Sleepy Hollow Tennis Club for 10 years in Arinda. I think... Uh, you know, doing women lineups for uh, 3-0 USTA teams was probably the, one of the toughest jobs, and I wouldn't want anybody to have to I go through that. And uh, as beginning tennis players, uh, they believe that they're a little bit better than they are and wanted to play with people that, uh, uh, that they thought were better than them, and they didn't want to play with people they didn't think were better than them. So I had to put some people together that didn't really want to play together or one of them would come to me and say, I don't want to play with her. And I say, you know, stick it out. And next week they end up winning and, uh, turns out now they're, you know, lifelong friends and they play together every week. So uh, a lot of, uh, just, uh, negotiating emotions I think would be a strong point of mine. Yeah, no, no, that fair enough. Um, so one of the mayors we've actually interviewed here on podcast by the bay, um, you know, in another city here on a peninsula, he actually mentioned about being on council and really having to work together as a team to really solve some of these problems. And part of that was dealing with the different dynamics of the different council members. So what style of leadership do you bring to the to the table? to be able to help work with the different personalities and to come together to solve problems for the community? I think, number one, uh, being a professional tennis player in the past, uh, I'm a competitor, but I'm also a sportsman. So if you win or, you know, uh, you know I lose or I win, I'm going to shake your hand, congratulate you, and then I'm going to help you out then I'm going to come over and see what I can do to make your idea even better. You know, can we polish it and make it a gem so that it's more palatable to uh, the no's or if you were on the no or the yeses if you were on the yes. So uh, I think that's uh, where I'm really a down the middle guy. I'm, I'm running my platform on just common sense and not, not emotion. I'm not getting on here to vote one way or another on a Saris Regis project. Uh, you know, so I think um, I'm not out there to be flipping, uh, flipping things, but I do think that um, that is a strength of mine that as a competitor, I can, I can brush it off and just get on to the next one. Uh, so uh, I want to do things that are good for the whole city. And that's, uh, I think a lot of the silent, majority that sits back and like I did and doesn't really bother with it. Uh, now I'm diving headfirst into it uh, and uh, I'm excited about it. What are some of the ways we can involve the community into participating into government and to being a part of the process? Uh, man, I think events, 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 events. I think, you know, our 4th of July event is, you know, the envy of the Bay Area. And there's a reason for that because it's super fun and there's a lot going on. You know, maybe 
and I have to get behind the scenes on that and find out more about it. But, uh, you know, if it's a profitable event, can we do it more often? Uh, you know, getting people together, having neighborhood competitions for real prizes. Uh, how about, you know, uh, competitions as far as we have the windsurfing and the sailing. We got the wind occasionally around here. Everybody thinks it's a lot windier around the bay than it really is. But let's have a national kite surfing championship uh, highlight Foster City. Um, you know, the golf course, uh, we can have golf, tennis, uh, all the different sports. That, you know, I know there's ping pong over at the community center. I love ping pong. Um, you know, pickleball, all these things that uh, we have. We are an outdoor city. Uh, let's have some competition, um, fun competition, you know, and then also neighborhood events where we, you know, neighborhood sponsored parties. Uh, let's get our neighbors together. Make it, it's, it's a safer place when you know your neighbor and, you know, you're looking out for your neighbor. When you don't know your neighbor, everybody is doing their own thing and not paying attention. And you drive better when you know your neighbor, you behave better. Uh, I think it's stuff that we need to get together and get to know our neighbors. Um, there's a lot of different cultures out here, and that's it, one of the benefits of Foster City. And I think we need to, you know, take advantage of that and learn a little bit about that and, uh, and cross cultures and, and, uh, and bring people together. Great. So a couple more questions. So what would you feel your top three strengths are and could really bring to the council? So mentioned before, fresh ideas um, and looking at ideas that are already out there with a fresh perspective, um, trying to get win-wins for each side, even for things that have already done. Uh, you know, let's make things great that were done just to be done. Um, uh, if it's past, it's past. Let's let's uh, let's help and make everything better. Uh, so, and another one I would say would be, you know, I'm not a sore loser. So, and I don't hold grudges. You know, this is just city business. This is nothing personal to me. I'm getting into it because I see a gem. I see Newport Beach, Balboa Island, uh, north, you know, and I think these houses in Foster City are, you know, five to $10 million houses, this location. I mean, we're talking, you know, right in the center of everything. Uh, beautiful, natural beauty. Uh, and we need to, you know, bring that out. And like I said before, polish it. Uh, we're not here to, you know, just keep everything the same and just roll through and be this quiet little community. I think we need to modernize and, uh, and uh, keep, keep ideas, keep stealing ideas from places that have done it right. And so I'm always looking, uh, got that experience looking. And uh, so I think, those are the things I can bring to Foster City Council. So the last question I have is, what is your vision for Foster City in 40 years? 
hopefully we have no traffic because there's hovering cars and ferries going back and forth and uh you know we're we're all outside and the air is nice and clean the waters you can see the bottom of the lagoon <laughs> i got a lot of dreams but uh, <laughs> i think yeah that that's uh you know that's i think uh, what i'd like to see is that we're that we're moving forward you know i think the houses are going to start turning over we need to streamline the housing permit process i got caught up in that uh, and I think that needs to be all digitized and streamlined and get out of people's way. Uh, I'm not a government guy where you need to have a ton of rules and regulations. I think people figure this stuff out themselves. Um, you get enough complaints if somebody paints a purple, yellow striped house that, you know, okay, that's probably not our community. But, in, you know, other than that, I think people should be allowed to build houses that they want to build uh that makes things unique um and we're just kind of a cookie cutter planned community which was fine for the 60s and 70s but this is the 2000s and uh we're you know we're technology we're moving forward and uh so that's where i am with that and i think we're we need to uh move into those next 40 years with our eyes open and ahead of the curve, not behind it, not being pulled. I mean, we should, with all the tech around here, we need to be pushing the envelope, not being pulled by the things and doing everything late. Sounds good. So what do you want to say to all the voters out there that are listening to this right now? What do you have to say to them? Well, I know the voter turnout is rough in Foster City. We get maybe only a third of the registered voters a third of the population coming out to vote. So if you vote, come out and vote and elect me on the city council. If you need to talk to me, you have some ideas. Uh, they're fresher than mine. And, uh, or you want to uh, talk about anything. I'm going to be reachable as a candidate and I'll be reachable as a councilman. My, I have a cell phone number. And my, first of all, my email, which I've been reached by some people uh, in the city already, it's my last name, Farron Tennis, at iCloud.com. And I'm glad to give out my cell phone number uh, to call me. Uh, you'd probably have to leave a message because most of the stuff that I get on my phone is spam, so I don't answer it. But just leave a message that you're a real person, and I'll call you right back at 650 660 six three one two and i'd love to talk to everybody because no matter what win or lose we're giving this a shot and you know we're going to enjoy the experience and i want to learn more about foster city as i'm doing this and we're uh, you know looking forward to your vote and if not well we'll see in the next election period <laughs> Thank you again, Mark, for speaking with Podcast by the Bay. We definitely appreciate hearing your vision, and we look forward to hearing more about you on the campaign trail. Thanks to all the candidates that spoke with Podcast by the Bay and expressed their views on our platform. And also thanks to Chelsea Bonini for the great introduction for this week's episode. If you have any questions, you have any feedback, please reach out to us at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcastbythebay, or at Twitter, at podcastbythebay is our Twitter handle. 
And you can always listen to any of our shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week on any podcast site, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Pocket Casts, or on our website, podcastbythebay.com. All right, until next time, stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Stay tuned.